are going to begin, and we are still uh, working on, of course, on the Shlosh Esrei, um, on the 13 principles of faith, the Yud Gimel Ikrei Ha'amuna, and we're on number 12, which is about the coming of Mashiach. We typically very quickly run through the 13. Um, the first five were devoted to Hashem himself, different aspects of the oneness of Hashem, and uh, the existence of Hashem and service of Hashem, that was the first five. Uh, six and seven dealt with nevuah, the way that Hashem um, gives prophecy to people, and the prophecy specifically to Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, eight and nine dealt with Torah. Eight was the idea that Torah is from heaven, and nine is that Torah is unchangeable. Ten and eleven dealt with that Hashem uh, knows everything and is involved in everything that goes on to the, in the world. And the union of schar and einish, that there's punishment and reward. That was number 11. And then 12 and 13 are about Mashiach. 12 is animamin, the belief in the coming of Mashiach, and that we await the coming of Mashiach. And 13 is tchiyas amesim, the resurrection of the dead. So last week, we talked about number 12, the coming of Mashiach. But I said last week that we were going to split that up into two. And we were going to discuss... Why is it that the coming of Mashiach is such a ikr, such a central tenant of, of Yiddishkeit? And we were, we were going to discuss it from a halachic angle and then from more of a Kabbalistic and Hasidic angle. So last week we devoted to the halachic angle. Last week we talked about the halachic angle of why Mashiach is so important and we talked about the idea that Mashiach will be shleimus ha-teira v'ha-mitzvahs, how so much of teira mitzvahs nowadays is really... Um, not applicable in its physical form of service. And Mashiach will bring the Shleimus to Torah. That was the idea that we focused on last week. And I said that this week we'd focus on more the premius, more the uh, the Kabbalistic, the esoteric angle of why Mashiach is so central to Yiddishkeit. So that's what we are going to talk about in Mirzashem tonight. And everything is Bashkach HaPratis and the fact that it's just a couple days before Shavuos is going to be so important because we'll see how Shavuos and Matan Torah is all so tied up and so connected with the coming of Mashiach. So, to answer the question in one sentence, why is the coming of Mashiach so central to Yiddishkeit? From the, um, from the Pneumius, from the esoteric angle, the answer is very simple. Because Mashiach is the Tachlis HaKavana, it's the purpose of everything from the beginning. Everything from the beginning, when Hashem created the world, in the first, the first moments of creation, there was a kavana, there was a plan. Um, one of the things, as, as Yidin, who believe in Hashem, a tremendous advantage that we have, is that we understand that everything is part of a plan. And when one really believes and understands that everything is part of a plan, we never go to pieces. Um, things are difficult, and even just now, um, we've, we, we are still going through a difficult period of time with a lot of difficulty and a lot of sadness. And yet, as a from Yid, as a Maimon, we believe that everything is part of a plan. Everything is part of a bigger plan, a bigger picture, whether we see it immediately or we don't see it immediately. The coming of Mashiach is not just part of a plan. It's the ultimate plan, the ultimate kavana. Um, perhaps one of the most famous Mamari Chazal. Um, to any uh, Chabadnik, anyone who's learned some Tanya, and anyone who's learned a little bit of the Rebbe Sichas. So one of the most famous statements of Chazal is that what caused Hashem to go into this whole venture of creation, this venture of a world and a people and so on and so forth, is all because Hashem had a vision. He had a kavana, he had a taiva, he had a desire. 
And the desire was that he should have a dwelling place in this world. And as Hasidus points out so many times, and the Rebbe explains, a dwelling place means a place where someone is most comfortable. Right? When we leave our house and we're involved in one event or another, so in every place we're trying to adapt. Right? If a person works and you go out to their workplace, so in my workplace I'm adapting to my workplace. If you go out to the store, I'm adapting to the store. When a person's at home, home means the place where, I'm, where I'm, I feel comfortable. I am myself. I don't have to put on ears for anyone. I don't have to behave for anyone. I'm at home. And that's what Hashem wanted that this world should be for Himself. When it says that Hashem wanted that this uh, world should be a dwelling place, a dira for Him, that means the place He calls home, the place that, the place that He's fully revealed. Fully revealed. It's interesting, one of the psukim, that one of the, one of the nevuas that talk about Mashiach says, that you, our teacher, which is Hashem, won't be yikonef anymore. What does the word yikonef mean? Yikonef is a garment. Garments conceal. So, again, I go out, so I get dressed accordingly. But when I am myself, fully myself, I don't need any form of concealment. Means that Hashem won't connect to us through garments anymore. Rather, Hashem Himself, the, the essence of Hashem, the revelation of Hashem will be felt in this entire world. Something for us we can today only imagine. But that was the initial kavana. The initial kavana of creation was to create a world where on the one hand there's so much concealment, and on the one hand there's so much, um, it would seem, lack of revealed godliness. And to create a place that ultimately, through our Avodah, through our Torah and Mitzvahs, through our going through all the different steps of Golos and all the different types of Golosin, that we should be able to bring the Gilui of Hashem into this world. And that's really what Mashiach is. So again, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm speaking perhaps, I'm saying something simple in too many words, but the very simple, short answer of Hasidus, why is Mashiach a central pillar of faith? Because it's the Kavana of the entire Bria, it's the Kavana of the entire creation. Okay, let's look at it from a couple of different angles and, and points over here. The very first Pasuk in the Torah says, In the beginning of creation, when Hashem created heaven and earth, and then it says, Pasuk Beis, The world was, I don't know the exact translation of desolate and, uh, what is the title over here? Uh, astoundingly desolate. Okay, toyu and vayu are all different expressions of the desolate situation of the world. V'choyshech al There was darkness on the face of the abyss, or the deep waters. V'ruach elikim, and the spirit of Hashem, merachefes al hovered over the waters. That's the first description that the Torah describes what the world looked like. On day number one, Day number one of creation, 5,780 years ago. What did the world look like? So we have a, a, a picture of total desolation. The world was toihu and vayhu, choyshech, darkness, and the, that covered all the waters, viruach alikim, and the spirit of Hashem is hovering above all of this. That's the, that's the pshat of the Pusik. There was nothing going on. It was a world of desolateness. Comes the Medrash and says a very beautiful Medrash. And that, again, it's the second Pusik of the Torah. 
The Medrash says every word of this Pasuk has meaning. It says the following. The world was Sohu. Sohu was one word of desolation. Says the Medrash, the word Sohu is referring to the first Golos that we went through. The first Golos we went through as Am Yisrael was the Golos of Bavel. The Babylonians, led by Nebuchadnezzar, who destroyed the first base Amikdash and exiled us into Babylon. Says the Medrash, Haaretz Soihu, that is Golos Bavel. Vavoyhu, which is the second expression of desolateness. Ze Golos Modai Uparas. We know after the Babylonians, the next ones who exiled us were the Persians and the Medes. That's the story of Purim. Happened under the Persians and the Medes. So, says the Medrash, Vavoyhu, that's the second Golos. The Golos of the Persians and the Medes. V'choyshech, the third word of the Pasuk is darkness, says the Medrash, this is the Golos of Yavon, the Greeks. After the Persians ruled, the Persians and the Medes, then we have the Yavonim, the Greeks, started with Alexander the Great, and then was the story of Hanukkah under the Greek rule. So that's V'choyshech. Al on the face of all the deep waters, says the Medrash, this is the Golos of Rome which is so long and so intense, like the deep, endless waters. And that's the fourth Golos. As a nation, Klal Yisrael suffered four Golosim. Again, Bavel, which Nebuchadnezzar, and then we had the Persians and the Medes, Achashverosh, then we had the Yivanim, Hanukkah, and finally the Romans that were still really there, were still under that Golos. So it says the Medrash that the, first pas- the second Pasuk of the Torah is describing that this is going to be a world fraught with difficulties. There's going to be Golos, the first Golos, leading into a second Golos, leading into a third Golos, leading into a fourth. But how does the Pasuk finish? Viruach Elikim, and the Spirit of Hashem, Mirachefes is hovering, Alpnei Hamayim, over all the waters. Says the Medrash, very powerful Medrash, Viruach Elikim, Ze Ruchoi Shalmelech HaMashiach. The spirit of Mashiach, of the King Mashiach, was hovering over the waters on that very first day of creation. So long ago, 5,780 years ago, when Hashem creates a world, and He creates a world where there's going to be plenty of darkness and plenty of difficulty and plenty of pain and plenty of exile and plenty of gullus. Right there in that first Pasuk of the Torah, Hashem says what, what it's all about. All of this is to get us to somewhere. And that's Ruchay, Ruchay Shalmalach HaMashiach. It's interesting, if we go a step deeper into the Pasuk, the word that the Torah uses here for hovering is Mirachefes. And here it says in, in Kabbalah's form, it says, the word Mirachefes is really made up of two words. If you take the first and last letter of Mirachefes, what do you have? The first and last letter, you have Mem and Sof which means mace, which is death. And the middle three are reish peiches. What does that mean? Says the Kabbalah Svarim, that our avoida in bringing Mashiach is finding and collecting all the sparks of divinity that fell into this world, into every different aspect of this world. How many sparks of divinity were there that fell into this, this entire world? 
How many sparks of Kedusha, central sparks of Kedusha, fell in? They splintered into billions of sparks. But how many initial sparks of Kedusha fell into this world? 288. Reish Peiches, 288. So that very first word in the second Pasuk of the Torah, Mirachefes, is the Reish Peiches, the 288 Nitzutzais that fell down. And that's why it's Mace. The concept of Misa of death is that it descended from, from, from Ruchni's spiritual sparks and descended into every aspect of this world. So therefore, here we have, in that second Pasuk of the Torah, the whole game plan. Everything that's going to happen. Hashem created heaven and earth, and there was a plan. And the plan was that there's going to be Golosim, four of them, four lengthy, difficult, painful Golosim. And the purpose and the goal of all that is that we should end up in every part of the world and we should deal with every situation in the world. And we should do that great Aveda of finding, elevating, purifying, and refining all of those sparks of godliness of Kedusha that fall into every part of the world until the Ruach Alekim, the Ruach of Melech HaMashiach is able to be fully revealed in this world. And that's an amazing concept how right in the beginning of the Torah Hashem spells out to us what His plan is going to be. And of course Hashem could have made a perfect world in the world of Mashiach on the first day and invited us all in to a great, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful world. But Hashem didn't do it that way. He created a world and concealed himself and gave us the mission and the job of bringing Mashiach, of perfecting this world. And as, as the Rebbe said so many times, and we discussed in the past as well, that Hashem's giving us the job of bringing Mashiach was his way of telling us that we are meant to be partners, not recipients. Hashem didn't want to create a world and give us the gift of Mashiach and the gift of Kedusha. He, want, he created a world and gave us the gift of being partners in perfecting this world through Torah and Mitzvahs and through living, through the, um, using the tools that He teaches us in Torah to perfect this world and bring Mashiach L'Pail. That's the, that's the goal of the whole creation. Okay, so that was the first step. That was the goal on that very first day. And for over 2,000 years, there was very little happening towards that goal. There were some great tzaddikim who were setting some um, foundations, Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov. But ultimately, when was the koyach given to us to actually do the avodah that will bring Mashiach? That's Matan Torah. And that's what we celebrate this week. This Thursday night we have 3,332 years this week since Matan Torah. And by Matan Torah is when the, the great plan started to come into fruition. Hashem created a world, and as we saw in the second Pasuk of the Torah, that the world had a great plan, there was a great vision and a plan. But how exactly were we supposed to go about making the plan happen, bringing Mashiach, that really happened by Matan Torah. And that's why it's interesting, when you go through the six days of creation, every day it says, after the first day, then it says, then then when it comes to the sixth day, it says, with the extra hey. 
We say it in Kiddush, Yom Hashishi. But it doesn't say in the Chumash, Yom Hasheni, Yom Hashlishi, Yom Aravi. It says, Yom Echad, Yom Sheni, Shlishi, Revi, Yom Hashishi. What's a Hashishi? So Chazal say, Rashi brings it from the Gemara, that Yom Hashishi is alluding to a, a much later Yom Hashishi. The giving of Torah, which is going to be Hashishi B'Sivan on the 6th of Sivan. Because from creation until Matan Torah, the plan wasn't really happening. When Hashem gives us the Torah by Matan Torah, and on that day we have the great gift that Hashem gives us the Torah and gives us the mitzvahs and gives us the ability to actually start bringing Kedusha into this world. And that's why we find that on that day of Matan Torah, the day of Shavuos, says in Tanya, that on that day, the Gilui, the revelation in this world, was like the revelation that will be when Mashiach will come. In other words, even though we're all working towards that great revelation that will be when Mashiach will come, but that revelation never came into this world yet, aside from once. There was only one time in the history of creation that in this world there was a Gilui Yalukus, there was a revelation of Hashem that is similar, that is akin to the revelation of Hashem that will be when Mashiach will come, and that is that was on the day of Matan Torah. Why? Because being that that day was the day when we were given the Koyach to bring Hashem into this world, we were given the Torah, we were given the mitzvahs, we were given the tools through which we're going to perfect this world, on that day when it was given, it was given together with the power of the Gilui of Mashiach into this world. Where do we see by Matan Torah that on that day there was the Gilui of Mashiach? Where did we see on that day at the giving of the Torah that there was that it was a it was a it was a Mashiach day? The answer is in a number of things that happened on that day, but I'll tell you maybe two. One is Tchias Amesim. Right? During Matan Torah, we know famously that Hashem said the first of the Asaris Adibas and all of us died. And then Hashem revived all of us. It says with what? With the same tal Sha'osid Lahachyis Bayes Hamesim. The same dew that Hashem is going to use to do Tchiyas HaMesu when Mashiach will come was used once already by Matan Torah. He did it once on that day. He did it a second time on that day. So that day was a day of Tchiyas HaMesu. Furthermore, Chazal tell us of one of the interesting miracles that happened on the day of Matan Torah, one of the very unusual miracles. It says that on that day, we heard what's normally seen and we saw what's normally heard. Which begs the question... What was behind that nace? Why was it important on that day we should hear what's normally seen and see what's normally heard? And Hasidus explains, normally what do we see? We see things that are physical. When we see something is very real to us. Things that we only hear about aren't as real to us. How do they say? Seeing is believing. When we hear about something, we hear about it, but it's not so real. So normally our relationship with ruchnius, with spirituality, we hear about it. We don't see spirituality. We don't see godliness. And therefore, it's not as real to us. We see Gashmias. We see the physical. On the day of Matan Torah, Elikus, Ruchnius, was our reality. That's what we saw. Gashmias was something we heard about. But the reality, Kedusha, was our fullest reality. That will be when Mashiach will come. When Mashiach will come, the revelation of Hashem will be such that godliness will be the reality, what we see. And we also, we will know about Gashmias and our physical needs and the mundane, but our reality is Kedusha. The first time we had that was by Matan Torah. And that, all that is because Matan Torah is when the plan 
the general plan of Bria started to actually, excuse me, started to actually happen through the Torah and mitzvahs that was given to us. That's the reason for another very interesting Maimer Chazal as well that connects Matan Torah, Shavuos, with the coming of Mashiach. The Medrash also Medrash. The Medrash says, Moshe, who goyel rishain, who goyel acharein. Moshe Rabbeinu was the first redeemer, and Moshe Rabbeinu will be the final redeemer. What does that mean? So one might think that it means that Moshe Rabbeinu will be Mashiach. Moshe Rabbeinu will be uh, resurrected and he'll be Mashiach. But no, it's not what it means. How do we know that that's not what it means? Any thoughts? How do we know that Moshe Rabbeinu actually won't be the one who will be Mashiach? The answer is, wrong tribe. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu is from Shevet Levi, and Mashiach will be from Shevet Yehuda. That's something that's promised in the Torah. Uh, Mashiach will be from Malchi Beis David, will be one of the, from the descendants of David HaMelech and Shleimah HaMelech, which is all Shevet Yehuda, and therefore it's not, definitely not Moshe Rabbeinu. So what does it mean that Moshe is the first Goyel, the first redeemer, and also the last redeemer, if physically he's not going to be the same person? The answer is that Moshe Rabbeinu brings us the Torah. And the Torah and the mitzvahs in the Torah are the koyach with which we will bring Mashiach. So Moshe Rabbeinu gives us the ability, he gives us the koyach, he gives us the energy, he gives us the way, the tools, if used properly and through using them properly, we bring Mashiach through them. So when we say Moshe is the first and Moshe is the final, it means Moshe brings us the Torah and therefore enables us and gives us the koyach, gives us the ability and the empowerment to actually go about bringing goyal acher and bringing Mashiach. In a beautiful sikha, the Rebbe takes us a step further. It says the following. When Yaakov Avinu promises Yehuda that Mashiach will be from his descendants, the wording that Yaakov uses in the Torah, he says that you will be melech, Malchus will be Malchus will be in the Shevet Yehuda ad until Yavo Shiloh. Until Shiloh will come. What is Shiloh? Shiloh is Mashiach. Shiloh is a name for Mashiach. Um, there's different, Rashi gives different explanations why Shiloh refers to Mashiach. Um, he says Shiloh could be stand for Shehamelucha Shiloh, the one who will be the ultimate king. Or Shiloh, gifts to him, because it says all the nations of the world will bring gifts to Mashiach. Either way, Shiloh is Mashiach. And here we have something interesting. The word Shiloh, in, in gematria, you know, one of the beautiful ideas in Torah is the power of gematria. If we have, um, if we do the math, the math of Shiloh, so the Shin is 300, Yud is 10, Lamed is 30, and He is 5. So it's 345, right? So Shiloh is 345. What else is 345? Moshe. Moshe is exactly 345. Shin Mem Hei is 345. So the word Shiloh, which is referring to a Mashiach, is also the same gematria as the word Moshe. Okay, but I'm not finished. That's 345. What's Mashiach in gematria? If we take Gematria of Mashiach, it's pretty close. Mashiach is 
the Mem Shin is 340, the Yud is 350, and the Ches is 8. So Mashiach is 358. Let's think. Moshe is 345, and Mashiach is 358. What's the difference? You're mute. <laughs> you can't make yourself a mute? Oh. 13, right? 13. So Moshe and Shiloh is 345. Mashiach is 358. It's a difference of 13. Go back to the Chumash. What was the word before Shiloh? Yavo Shiloh. The word Yavo is 13. Yud, Bez, Aleph is 13. 10, 2, and 1 is 13. So think about it. Shiloh is Moshe. Yavo Shiloh. Yavo means to come. When Moshe comes out to its fullest, when the tools that he gave us are used, when we learn the Torah, when we do the mitzvahs, when we take everything that Moshe gave us, then we have Yavo Shiloh, that's Mashiach. But the rabbi takes it a step further. 13. Again, between Moshe and Mashiach is the number 13. That's what you have to remember. Moshe is 345. Mashiach is 358. So from Moshe to Mashiach, to get from Moshe to Mashiach, we need the number 13. What other great word, important word, central word is 13 in Yiddishkeit? One thing, Echad. The word Echad is also 13. What's unique about Echad? So we say Echad, Hashem Echad, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hasidus asks a question, an interesting question. The word Echad means one. The word Yachid means the only one. Which is more appropriate to call Hashem? Is Hashem one or is Hashem the only one? It would have seemed Yachid, the only one. And yet we don't say Hashem Yachid. We don't say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Yachid. Hashem is the only entity. We say Hashem is one, not the only one. Why? Because the purpose is not that Hashem should be the only one, but that Hashem's oneness should pervade everything else. And that's what Echad really stands for, as we know, that Echad stands for Aleph is the one Hashem, Ches in the seven heavens and the earth, Dalit in the four corners of the earth, every direction. So Echad is about bringing the oneness of Hashem into everything. And that's the number 13. 13 is Echad, is about bringing Hashem into every aspect of creation. Says the Rebbe, let's put it all together. Moshe is 345. Moshe plus Echad. Moshe, in other words, taking the Torah that Moshe gave us and the mitzvahs that Moshe gave us and bringing that into every part of the world and every place of the world and every situation in the world, through all of that, we get from Moshe to Mashiach, from 345 to 358. Moshe represents the Torah, Moshe represents the mitzvahs. Plus 13 means plus bringing that into every aspect of our lives and every aspect of creation. That's what Mashiach is. So Mashiach is the fulfillment of Moshe. Moshe gives it to us. He gives us the tools. Moshe kibal Torah misinai. Moshe gives us the Torah. Moshe teaches us the mitzvahs. It's up to us 
to take that echo, take that into every aspect of creation, and then we have the fulfillment of that goal that was said right in the beginning of creation, like we said earlier, Ruach Alekim Merachefes Al Ruach Alekim Zeruch the purpose and the goal of everything to get to that state of revelation of Hashem in this world. So, we have a question that sometimes, and I mentioned it last week at the beginning of the class, that some might ask, and it's actually asked in Sforim as well, like, so why do I have to think so much about the fact that Mashiach is going to come or that my mitzvahs are going to bring Mashiach? I'll just do what Hashem says every day. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll do my mitzvahs and I'll say my brachas and I'll say my davenings and I'll be a good person. And that's that. And if Hashem wants to bring Mashiach, that's his business. I'm fine with it. But why is that so important to me to think about and know about and yearn for and look towards? And the answer in simple words is because we have to know that what we're doing is accomplishing something. It's not like Hashem said, okay, you know, just be good and do mitzvahs and I'll take care of the rest. You know, learn Torah and just, just be a good person and that's it. We have to understand that the mitzvahs of Hashem were given with a purpose and with a goal and that it's meaningful what we do. We're working towards a goal. And the Torah that we learn and the mitzvahs that we do and the chesed that we do and the Kiddush Hashem that we make is all working towards one final perfect picture. And this idea can also be seen. I'll, I'll, another idea here. But uh, you know, there's another way to bring out this idea, from a Mishnah that we read this week in Pirkei Oves. As we know, in the uh, six weeks between Pesach and Shavuos, we read the sixth Prakim of Pirkei Oves. And this week was Perik Vav, the sixth Perik. And one of the Mishnahis we read is a lengthy Mishnah, but I'm going to zoom into one idea. Especially these days, we're very into Zoom. So, uh, one idea in the Mishnah where it says, Omar Reb Yeshua ben Levi, Reb Yeshua ben Levi says, he says, Bechol yoyim v'yoyim, Every day, there's a heavenly voice that comes out from Mount Chayrev. Now, Mount Chayrev is one of the names for Har Sinai. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says that a heavenly voice comes forth from Har Chayrev and says, Woe to the people, to the creations who embarrass the Torah. Anyone who doesn't is not involved in the Torah is called someone who, who embarrasses the Torah. That's, I shortened it, but the Mishnah goes on, but that's the point. So Rabbi Shua ben Levi is describing this heavenly voice that comes forth from Sinai and says, why do you people embarrass the Torah? And in a lengthy sicha, the Rebbe asks many questions, but one, who are those who embarrass the Torah? Who embarrasses so typically people think, well, it's the people who don't learn it. If you don't learn the Torah, if you don't follow it, you're embarrassing the Torah. Says the Rebbe, not true. If you don't learn the Torah, you're not embarrassing the Torah, you're embarrassing yourself. Torah is fine. If, if I don't avail myself of a gift, I'm embarrassing myself. So who is the Mishnah talking about when it says the people who are embarrassing the Torah? And the Rebbe says a very novel approach. And he says, the people who embarrass the Torah are not people who don't learn the Torah, the people who do learn the Torah. 
So in what way are they embarrassing it? It says, we embarrass the Torah when we don't believe in its power to accomplish. When we think, okay, I'll learn Torah, I'll do mitzvahs, but I don't know what this is accomplishing. I don't really know if anything's happening, but Hashem wants me to do it, I'll do it. That's when we're embarrassing because we're not giving the Torah, giving it the recognition to the power of the Torah. The Torah has the power to change the world. And mitzvah by mitzvah, and Torah by Torah, and kindness by kindness, we're changing the world and making the world a better place, a holier place. In fact, the Rebbe says, that's why in this Mishnah, what name is used for Har Sinai? Har Chorev. What does the word Chorev mean? Typically, Chorev is connected with Chorban, to destroy. Why would Har Sinai be called a mountain of destruction? The answer is that the Torah was given to destroy the klipa of this world to destroy the concealment of this world, to bring Hashem, make this world a holy world, a spiritual world. So Torah is here with a mission, with a goal. The goal to change the world, to purify the world, to make the world not such a selfish and mundane and unholy place, to bring Kedusha into a world. So what Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was saying, says the Rebbe, that when people learn Torah, and they do mitzvahs. But they sort of feel like, well, I don't know where this is heading. Whatever, I'll just do what I have to do. That's embarrassing the Torah. The, 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 the true way to learn Torah and to do mitzvahs and to live as a yid is the recognition that I am accomplishing. There is a goal and there is a mission. And every day I'm getting closer to that mission. And no, the world is not going to remain the same as it seems today. There will come a time when the reality that we'll see with our eyes will be Kedusha. And it's our mitzvahs and it's our Torah that's going to make that reality happen. And when a person feels that way, the person themselves feels empowered. Because... I'm not just here, you know, as a passenger on some type of a cruise that Hashem is leading and I just come along for the ride. Hashem empowered me and each and every one of us to make our chilek of the world. And that's another thing that, that Tanya is so into, that each, of, each and every one of us has a specific part of fulfilling this general mission through our Torah and through our mitzvahs, because of the place that we live, each one individually, and the people that each one of us individually get to know, and the families that each one of us individually have, each one is empowered to partner in Hashem and fulfill, through our Avedah, the mission for which Hashem created this world the first day. And only when we recognize that we have that power and we have that ability and we have that tool to change the world, then are we not embarrassing the Torah. We're recognizing the Torah for the power that it does have. So all of this is to answer that initial question. So why is this so foundational? Because this is what it's all about. 
every mitzvah that we do and every part of Torah that we learn and every person that we affect positively and every personal time we affect ourselves positively, we're fulfilling the mission that Hashem laid out on that very first day of creation, as we said, and I'll finish with one last idea. When we talk about how Mashiach is so central, it's central not just to bring the Gilu, the revelation of Hashem, into this world, but even, as funny as it sounds, to bring the revelation of Hashem into the Torah that we have. So last week we talked about that there's so many mitzvahs we can't do nowadays. But, that, but now I'm talking about something else. The Pasuk says, when it comes to Mashiach's coming, Torah chadasha me'iti teitzei. A new Torah will come forth from me, says Hashem, when Mashiach will come. But what does that mean? Will there be a new Matan Torah? Will there be a new Aseris Hadibris? Will there be another Chumash? No. There's only one Matan Torah forever. There's only one Torah forever. So what does Hashem mean when He says that when Mashiach will come, Torah Chadasha Me'iti Teitzei, a new Torah will come forth from me? Says Chasidus. It means a whole new level and depth of the Pneumius of Torah will be revealed to us. We have to remember the Torah that we learn, everything that we learn is Hashem's wisdom. But the Torah that we learn, all the Halacha and, and Mishnah and Shulchan Aruch and Talmud, it's all talking about very physical things, physical mitzvahs and physical things and physical court cases and so on and so forth. Hashem's wisdom is so much higher than that. It's interesting, the first letter of the Torah that was given to us on Shavuos is a Bez. Why a Bez? Why not an Aleph? Aleph is the first letter of the Aleph Bez. So it says, because the whole Torah that we receive is only Bez, is only the second part of Torah, the, the part of Torah where Hashem enclosed Himself into these physical aspects and ideas that Torah primarily talks about. But there's the Aleph of the Torah. The Aleph is the Torah the way it was before creation, before it was enclosed in all of the physical halachas and stories of the Torah. Hashem's wisdom before it's enclosed down here. That's the pnimius of Torah. The inside, the deeper messages, the secrets of Torah. Now, we feel we have a little taste of the secrets of Torah through Hasidus. And we do. Because Hasidus is called a te'ima, a taste of the Torah of Mashiach. In the beginning of Shir Hashirim, when it describes the divine kiss of Hashem to the Jewish people, we say, Yashikeni min pihu, that Hashem kisses us. What's that divine kiss? Says Rashi in Shir Hashirim. That's the gilui of the soydois of the Torah that will be when Mashiach will come. That's what Rashi says. That the secrets of the Torah, everything that's under the surface, all those parts of Torah that we just can't understand because they're too high for us, all of that will be revealed finally when Mashiach will come. And the Baal Shem Tov came, and the Alter Rebbe came, and our Rabbeim came to give us a taste of that with Chasidus. But all of Chasidus is merely a taste of the secrets of the Torah that will be when Mashiach will come. And therefore, when we talk about that the time of the coming of Mashiach is the fruition of the plan of creation, and is the fruition of the time when Hashem will be revealed in this world, it's important to understand, it's not just Hashem is revealed in this world, Hashem will fully reveal Himself even in the Torah. Even the Torah that we learn until Mashiach 
is nothing like the level of revelation that will be then. The mitzvahs that we do on Mashiach will come will be on a whole different level. How do we say in davening of Yom Tov? V'sham nasa karbonais mitzvahs necha. Then we'll do the mitzvahs on a whole different level. We'll learn Torah on a whole different level. We'll experience Hashem in this world on a whole different level. And all of that is the tachlis hakavana, is the ultimate goal for which this world was created on the very first day. So all of this is, in understanding this 12th principle, why it's such a principle, why it's such a foundation of Yiddishkeit, when we begin to understand how everything is, is headed towards that, everything is for that, Matan Torah was for that, and Moshe is for that, and Torah Mitzvah is for that, and the very first day of creation, before anything, Hashem says, Ruchai Shel Malach HaMashiach, the spirit of the King Mashiach, is waiting to come into this world through our Avedah. This then, of course, is a pillar upon which all of Yiddishkeit stands, and therefore this is the twelfth of the principles of faith of, of, of Klal Yisrael, as the Rambam tells us. And that's as far as these 12th, the twelfth principle, which leaves us with the last one, the thirteenth, about Tchiyas HaMesim, which we will discuss in Mirza Hashem next week, in Mirza Hashem after Matan Torah, after Shavuos, and Hashem should help that we should discuss Tchiyas HaMesim, we shouldn't have to discuss it so much as a concept, because perhaps in our Zoom share we'll be joined by many of the Mesim who will come back with us in Mirza Hashem, and the coming of Mashiach, and this to celebrate really Matan Torah, as we just said, Torah Chadasha Mi'iti with the new Torah, the Torah of Mashiach, with all of our loved ones together, and celebrate it in Yerushalayim, Merakadosh, and hear all of the Yiluyim of Shavuos, together with Mashiach Sidkin. Okay. I have a question. Yes. Um, 